Uh, well, let, let's pray and then we can jump into it tonight. Father God, thank you so much again for getting to be uh, with my Kyle for family. Father God, I just pray that you would uh, bless us tonight, God, as we're, as we're studying your word together. Prepare our hearts to receive your word, God. Uh, help me, Holy Spirit, to communicate it well. Um, and I uh, just pray, Lord, that, that, that each and every one of us would, would learn something. God, you'd stretch each of us. God, you'd teach us something. Uh, help us to grow to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, how does it feel to be scammed by somebody? How does it feel to be tricked by somebody? They may have been, been scammed, deceived, tricked by almost every one of us probably at some point. Uh, I want to tell you, can, I, can I tell you a story about a time that I got scammed? Now, this is not necessarily like maybe like an illegal scam that I could report to the police. But it was definitely deceptive, right? So uh, Jackie and I were new homeowners, right? I was young. I was naive. Um, we, uh, we were young. We were some babies, right? We, we bought our, this is our first house. We got out of the apartment, had our first house. I don't know nothing about houses and fixing houses and what houses need to be cared for. Um, but we were in a house, and, and it, was, it was a blessing. Uh, door to door, traveling salesmen come to the door, knock on the door like they do, right? Um, these tra this traveling team of salesmen were selling uh, gutter guards. Guards that would wrap around your gutter to protect it from all the evil that wants to get in your gutter. Um, we had a lot of trees, right? So, so what will happen is leaves will build up in those gutters and that can cause gross stuff and, and water to back up into the roof. And, um, and, and so the, the short answer is you need to keep your gutters clean. But this guy's sales pitch, man, he should have been. He should have been a Hollywood actor or something like this guy's sales pitch. I thought, I thought my roof, my, my, my house was in so much danger, you know, from, from these leaves. And I should, they, and he was certain that these leaves had already clogged the all my gutters. And if I didn't buy these gutter guardians uh, to protect those gutters, I mean, water was going to build up. It's going to seep into the roof and the attic. It's going to rot out all the wood. Um, it's going to do tens of thousands of dollars of damage to my house. Um, mold was going to grow. My kids were going to get sick. All these kind of things. I was scared. Man, he got me. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll pay any price to get these gutter guardians put on. And I said, the price is three thousand dollars. Huh? And that's a, that, that's a lot of money, right? And, and uh, that's a lot of money for anybody. But I, I want you to say, he got me to the place where I was so terrified. I'm like, that, that must be reasonable. Is that what people are out here paying for these to get their gutter guarded? Because again, I'm young. I'm naive. Uh, and, and, and so he's, oh, we, can, we don't have to pay all that 3000 today. No, of course not. We'll break that up into payments that you can pay a little bit for the rest of your life. Um, and so, so I, man, I signed up. Short, long story short, I signed up for these stupid gutter guardians. Uh, there's just a metal cover that covers the top of your gutter so that the leaves don't get in. Um, I signed up. We, we paid for it, set up the payment plan. Uh, they came and installed it. I called my dad. Right, my dad is super smart. He knows about houses and fixing stuff. He's a really handy guy, um, super smart. And I said, Dad, Dad, can I tell you what I did? Um, and again, he's kind. He's not going to be like, you're so stupid, right? He's not going to be like that. Uh, but, but he did. He taught me some things, right? He said, he said, yeah. I mean, they're telling you the truth. The gutters can get clogged and it can be bad, but it's not as bad as all they're saying. You, you just need to clean it out every so often. In fact, once a year. Once, twice a year is probably fine. Just lean a ladder up there, then scoop all the twigs and leaves out uh, once, twice a year, and you'll be fine. If, if your, your roof's too tall and, and you can't get the ladder up there, I mean, you can hire somebody to do it. $75, $80 a year is what we pay to get our gutters clean. And, and so I'm thinking, 
$7580 a year and I just paid $3000. If I paid someone $100 a year to clean my gutters, that would cover me for the next 30 years and I felt so dumb. I felt so <laughs> foolish. Uh, anyway, what the guy did was not illegal. It was just really deceptive about how badly I needed this, man. He was he was some kind of salesman and I felt deceived. I felt scammed. I felt stupid. I felt foolish. I felt angry. Right? If you guys ever been ever been scammed, ever been uh, deceived, tricked like that, particularly out of some hard-earned money, like man, you just you feel a mixture of like angry and then, like really dumb. Like how'd I fall for that? Right? I did learn a lesson. Right? I'm not going to do that again. Um, you know, financial advisor, radio host guy Dave Ramsey, he calls that the stupid tax. Right? Sometimes we got to learn lessons the hard way, and sometimes those lessons are financially costly. Um, but I did learn a lesson, and I'm not going to fall for that again. I'm much more you know, wise and, and, and discerning and careful about, about those kind of big, big purchases now. Um, and, and so also for a season, I worked at the bank, right? So I, I would run into a lot of people trying to do scams on the bank or doing, trying to steal people's identity or steal people's money. Some of you guys have experienced people maybe trying to trick you out of money. You've gotten that email um, from that super wealthy African prince, right? It says, <laughs> I, it says, give me your bank account information. Now, he's not from Africa. He's probably from down the street, right? But, he, but he's, he's saying he's some kind of prince, and, and, and he wants your bank account information. He's going to wire you some, some money, right? Have you guys ever gotten an email similar to that, asking for your bank account information? Uh, or, or, you know, you know something, saying, saying it's a company that, uh, that you do business with, um, and saying, hey, we think, you're, we think your identity's been breached. Would you kind of log in and you click the link and you show up to a website that looks kind of like it's supposed to, but a little kind of weird too. Uh, and, and just one of those things you got to learn, like uh, to be watchful for scams, be watchful for people that take advantage of you, deceive you, those kind of things. Um, there's a lot of people out there that want to deceive you, right? There's a lot of people out there that want to trick you. Um, and again, man, when you, when you get lied to, when you get deceived by somebody, tricked by somebody, scammed by somebody, you feel angry. You feel foolish. You definitely don't feel complete joy in that moment when you get lied to and deceived, right? Uh, man, we're never going to be able to experience complete joy when we're getting lied to and tricked and scammed uh, and deceived in that kind of way. And we don't like to be deceived, right? No one likes that. No one's going to raise their hand and say, man, I, I just love it when someone gets the better of me and, and cheats me out of my money. I, I just love it when someone fools me and makes me look stupid. Nobody likes that, right? Uh, and guess what? The Lord doesn't want you to be deceived either, right? God wants you to be wise. In fact, the Bible is full of wisdom teaching you to how to be more wise, how to be more wise, more discerning, so you, discerning so you don't fall uh, for those kind of things. Um, I mean, God, God doesn't want you to be deceived. Uh, he wants you to be able to discern what's true. He wants you to be able to separate truth from lies, uh, sort out fact from fiction, particularly in regards to how we understand the person of Jesus. One of the primary ways the enemy is going to try to deceive us trying to deceive you is by corrupting your view of Jesus. It's one of the number one ways he's going to come at you. Um, it doesn't seem real obvious. I mean, that, that, that's one of the subtle ways the enemy attacks is to twist to corrupt our view of Jesus. Why does he do this? Because Jesus is our number one source of hope, our number one source of peace, of love, of life, of grace, of forgiveness, of eternal life, right? I mean, Jesus is our source for all that, and he wants Nothing more, right? The enemy of your soul wants nothing more than to cut you off from all of that, right? To cut you off um, and from the source of all life and goodness. He wants to warp your view of Jesus and lead you away from him. So tonight we're going to look at how you can recognize those lies and not be misled in a culture where there is so much deception. 
where there is so much twisting of the truth. Uh, that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Uh, we're continuing our series. Again, the series is called Complete Joy and exploring the New Testament letter of First John. Uh, John was one of Jesus' apostles, um, and he spent time with Jesus. Uh, he lived with Jesus. Uh, he knew Jesus. He tells us at the beginning, I mean, I saw Jesus with my own eyes. I touched him with my own hands, heard him with my own ears. Uh, I knew Jesus. Let me tell you what Jesus has to say about living a life that's full of his joy. Uh, and so for the last few weeks, we've been talking about that, different, different ways uh, that we can live a life that's closer to God and more full of God's joy. If you miss any of those messages, uh, man, you're going to be fine for tonight. Uh, you're going to know everything you need to know. But if you do want to go back and listen to those messages, all of those are available online at uh, kyleflamethis.com, or there's also a podcast uh, there where all those messages are collected. Um, and last time we talked about man, what, it, what it means, uh, two weeks ago we talked about what it means to uh, live, live as, a, as a Christian uh, in a world man, where everything seems to be opposite of Christianity, right? To live as ambassadors in a world, to be in a world but not of it. Uh, last week Jackie had an amazing message about worship and what is worship, understanding that. Uh, but we're jump, jumping this week back into that series, Complete Joy, uh, looking at 1 John. And tonight we're going to pick up where we left off, 1 John chapter 2. Starting with verse 18. 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 18. John writes this. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. All right. So something I want to talk about from the outset is who or what is an antichrist or the antichrist, right? And there's an important distinction here that I want you guys to get from Jump that John's making a distinction. There is the singular capital A antichrist and then many plural lowercase antichrists, right? They're, they're different. That distinction is important. Um, I'm going to be mostly talking about the latter here tonight, uh, but just briefly about that first one. Um, and who or what is the Antichrist, capital A. And some of you guys may, may have heard about the Antichrist or just picked him up in the culture. For some reason, like even people that don't know the Bible, don't know Christianity, have heard about the Antichrist. Like he's like the embodiment of all evil. And, and sometimes he'll be in horror movies and stuff. Like this baby's going to grow up to be the Antichrist. I don't know what that is, but that sounds super scary, right? Um, and of course, you know, the Kalfa uh, a week before Halloween, right? So, so that, that's, that's topically relevant. But so, so we don't know what the Antichrist is, but he's bad news, right? He's evil. Um, and, and, and I guess on that level, the culture has pretty much got it right. Uh, the, the Antichrist, the Antichrist, capital A Antichrist, is a biblical figure, um, a figure that the Bible describes. Um, I'm not going to go into detail tonight, but some passages, if you want to look at it later, that talk about the Antichrist, who he is. Um, Mark chapter 13, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Revelations chapter 13, um, and there's going to be several others. Those are going to be some key ones. And it describes uh, this figure of the Antichrist that's going to come um, at, the, at the end of time, the end of human civilization, coinciding uh, with, the, with the, the events at the, at the end of time. So uh, coinciding with the events of Jesus returning for his people, coming, coinciding with the events uh, of, of the final battle where good triumphs over evil, the battle of Armageddon, um, God's judgment of all people, uh, you know, in the, in the final defeat of, of, of Satan, the, the new heavens, the new earth, all those kind of things, these end times events. Uh, the Antichrist is, is part of that, and it's a figure the Bible describes uh, as a person uh, that, 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 that raises up and he, he deceives many, many, many people. Uh, and, and so that, 
the, 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 the important things you need to know about his character are wrapped up there in the name, Antichrist. What does anti mean? Not. Yeah, not, or opposite, right? This guy is the opposite of Jesus, right? So, so if Jesus embodies being uh, loving and kind and patient, right? Uh, and this guy's going to be opposite that. Now he's going to be charismatic and he's going to deceive a lot of people, uh, but he's going to be ruthless and wicked and evil. Um, but, but the Bible tells us a lot of people are going to be sucked in, a lot of people are going to be fooled, um, and he's going to be a major figure there in those end time events. And that's nothing that you need to be worried about or afraid of. Man, man, as a Christian, you don't need to be afraid. Is that the Antichrist over there? And maybe you may have had a grandma that thought every political figure of the last 20 years, man, that must be the Antichrist, right? God doesn't want us to do that, right? Like, like if it's important for us to know, we'll know. Um, uh, but, but really, for the focus of our talk tonight, I don't really want us to worry too much about that capital A Antichrist, right? If that, it, you know, if that's uh, that's going to be part of part part of the end times, it's a, a real figure the Bible's describing. But John also wants to know that there's also lowercase A Antichrist all around us, even now, right? And again, we said Antichrist just means opposite of Christ. I mean, there are people and teachings and ideas all around you that are opposite of Christ. Uh, how does John word it? He says, many such antichrists have already appeared, right? Man, you've got, you've got people in your life that are antichrist, right? You've got ideas that you hear every day that are opposite of Christ, opposite of what Jesus would tell you if Jesus was listening here, right? You've got to encounter that every day. I mean, how do we deal with it? So continuing in verse 19, and again, John is describing these lower A antichrists, these people out there that are out there scamming, deceiving, tricking, twisting the truth. Uh, John says, these people have left our churches, but they didn't really belong with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, they proved that they did not belong with us. He says, some of these people came out of your church, right? right? They, they went to church with you, and now, now they're out here. They, they've twisted it. They've got it twisted. They've got it wrong. They're deceiving people. Uh, verse 20, he says, but you are not like that. For the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and that capital S Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and that lives within us when we put our trust in Jesus. And he says, all of you know the truth. Verse 21, so I'm writing to you not because you do, don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. He says it's so important that you acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ. What's that word Christ uh, mean? You know, Christ, uh, the, the Messiah, the Savior, the one that was promised in the Old Testament that God was going to send to save people from their sins and restore humanity's relationship with God. Um, it says, man, you've got to acknowledge that that's who Jesus was. If you try to paint Jesus in any other light, uh, then, then you're being used by that spirit of Antichrist to deceive people. You've got to acknowledge and that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Christ, He's the Messiah. Um, and he says that anyone that, that denies the Son doesn't have the Father either, but anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. He says it's a package deal. When you want to come to God, you've got to go through Jesus. Jesus said as much, no, no man comes to the Father except through me. If you've got Jesus, you've got the Father, right? And you can't have the Father without having Jesus. Continuing on in verse 24, he says, So you must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. If you do, you'll remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father, and in this fellowship... We enjoy eternal life that He promised us. All right, talks about having, how do you have complete joy? How do you have complete joy? It's right there in verse 25. And when you're in close fellowship with God, because you're not letting all this deception creep in and, and confuse you and distance you from God, uh, man, you're in fellowship and you en enjoy, 
and you got that full joy. You enjoy the eternal life that Jesus promised. John says in verse 26, I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. And really, man, if you could sum up the purpose of tonight's talk in one sentence. I'm trying to warn you guys about the people that are trying to lead you astray. Uh, John says, but you have received the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. So you don't need to, anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what He teaches is true. It's not a lie. So just as He taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. And what John's saying there in verse 27 is you've got the Holy Spirit within you. So you've already got an advantage, right? Holy Spirit inside you. Uh, Jesus said the Holy Spirit, you know, part of the Holy Spirit's role in our lives is to lead us, to guide us in all truth. Right? So, so the way that works is, man, you're, you're out here operating in the world. You're coming across things. Uh, man, you, you hear a teaching. You hear an idea. Uh, and it sounds a little fishy. It sounds a little strange. Holy Spirit says, flag on the play. There, there's something up with this, right? Like you may not totally, sometimes you can just catch it right. Like, okay, that's obviously wrong. Sometimes it's not as obvious. So, so that's like the red flag. Sometimes like a yellow flag. Like something's up, but I'm not entirely sure. But man, you've got the Holy Spirit inside you to guide you in truth. So when, when John said you don't, you don't need anyone uh, to teach you is that, is that a lot of times, I mean, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you, hey, there's something up with this. I mean, you'll come across uh, a teaching or, or a movement and you're like, man, uh, they're, they're claiming to be all about God, right? They're, they're claiming, well, some of the stuff they're saying is good, but then there's also some stuff that's like a little shady, that sounds a little off. You guys ever felt that feeling before? Or you, you hear an idea, you hear a teaching and it's like, man, what you're saying sounds good, but like something's just off. Something just feels wrong about it. Feels weird, man. man. A lot of times, that's the Holy Spirit warning you. Like, you want to steer clear of this, buddy. Um, man, th- this is not from God. Sometimes you feel a little weird because the message is, is dead on, and that's your flesh, like not wanting to, not wanting to listen to God. Be like, hey, I'm a little uncomfortable because you're telling me to stop sinning. That's different, right? That's a different kind of feeling. And part of maturity as a believer is learning the difference between, am I uncomfortable because there's a sin I don't want to give up? Or am I uncomfortable because Holy Spirit's saying, this ain't right. This ain't right. And, and, and so, so the way you're going to know is the Holy Spirit's always going to be in perfect alignment with Scripture, right? So, so if you feel like something's off and then you go to your Bible and, and sure enough, and what they're saying is not in the Bible, right? Or they, they twisted an important part of it. Uh, and that's what John's talking about there. You've got the Holy Spirit. Um, and then later in John's letter, he gives us a definitive solution for how you can sort through Man, all these different, uh, different ideas, this big variety of beliefs and teachings that you come across. He says, you're going to come, come through all kinds of stuff. And yeah, you've got the Holy Spirit that's going to kind of warn you, warn you when stuff's off. But man, there is a super simple, easy, practical way to know for sure if something is true or a lie. Who likes practical? Who likes easy, right? John says, I've got something that's super practical, super easy, foolproof. You can't screw it up. Even you, Matt. Like, like this is super simple. You, you're going to wade through so many different ideas in this life. So many different teachings in this life. Uh, here is a super simple way to see, is this thing biblically true? Is this thing from God? Uh, or, or is this thing not from God? Is this thing opposite of Jesus, right? A super simple way to figure that out. In 1 John chapter 4, he gives us a simple test to help us discern. You guys know that word discern? Discern, help us discern, be able to tell if something is true and from God or if it's a deception from the enemy. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, John says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. There's all kinds of people that are going to speak and they're going to tell you that what they're saying is from God. 
right? All kinds of people. So John says, I'm just going to tell you off the bat, don't listen to everybody. Just because they said, hey, I'm speaking from God. I'm speaking what the Holy Spirit has told me to speak. Like, that's just, not, that's just not, you know, turn off your brain and just listen to whatever they have to say. He says, not everyone that tells you they're speaking from God is really speaking from God. Um, John says, you, you must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from God. He says, you've got to test it. I'm going to give you a super simple, foolproof, easy way to test it. John says, for there's many false prophets in the world. Verse 2, here it is. Simple test. 1 John chapter 4, verse 2. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. That's the test, right? Do they have the right view of Jesus? Do they have a proper biblical understanding of Jesus? That Jesus is the Christ, and that means he's the Messiah, right? right? He, he's, he's the Son of God, God made flesh. He's fully God, but he also came with a real human body, fully God and fully man. That's the test. Is their teaching lining up with that? Is that the Jesus they're portraying? Because if it's any deviation from that, it's not from God. Verse three, but if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person's not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the antichrist. There's that word again which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. So John gives us a simple, practical test I can perform, you can perform on any teaching you come across. Uh, the simple test is this. Does this acknowledge a correct view of Jesus? Is this a correct, accurate view of Jesus? Is this an accurate, I'm going to teach you guys a big word, Christology? Is this an accurate Christology? Christology, think about what you guys know about about the English language and how the word, how that suffix ology is used. So Christology is the study of Christ. You got it. Perfect. Right? So is this teaching, does this teaching contain an accurate Christology? Or does it somehow distort the way that Jesus is portrayed in the Bible? Because that's important. Because I don't care how good your teaching is. I don't care how clever you are, how good analogies you make, how good similes you make. If you misrepresent Jesus, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. Uh, do you have an accurate biblical Christology? So that's what I want to look at next. Now, man, what is a biblical Christology? Um, and again, there is a lot, right? And when we start talking about Christology and the study of Christ, you could look at volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes, right? Uh, whole, whole, whole bookshelves full of books and still not exhaust all the things there are to say about Jesus. For the purpose of our talk tonight, we're talking about four. Our, we're talking about four because John, John is specifically looking at this, uh, at, at this uh, particular aspect of Jesus as a test for false teaching. We're going to talk about four. What does the Bible teach us about Jesus? This is a biblical Christology. Four things. First one, Jesus is God. And Jesus is fully God. And some verses they're going to talk about that. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. It tells us that Jesus is fully God. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, tells us that in the beginning, the Word, capital W Word, talking about Jesus, was with God, and the Word was God. And then it's that Word in verse 14 that became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is fully God, right? Not like half a God or a third of God or, you know, like sub-God or demigod. It's fully God, right? Number two, Jesus is fully human. Fully God but also fully human. Like I said in, in, in 
John chapter 1, that word became flesh. He didn't just appear to be flesh, right? He became flesh. He, became, he took on a human body. And Hebrews chapter 1 and 2 talks about this, uh, how Jesus is fully human and why that's important, right? For Jesus to be uh, the high priest between you and God, you need to be fully human. For Jesus to be a good sacrifice for us on the cross for our sins, he needed to be fully human. Jesus is fully God. But then the miracle of the incarnation is that Jesus is also fully human. He's both. Fully God, fully human. The next one, number three, is that Jesus really died. Literally died. He, man, when, when Jesus hung on the cross, uh, he didn't just appear to die. He didn't just seem like he died. Like He didn't just like pass out. Ugh, like me on the roller coaster <laughs> at Six Flags. Um, Sidebar, sidebar. We went to Six Flags over uh, over <laughs> over the fall break, and uh, there was one roller coaster that was really tall, right? Uh, and coming down, those G forces were intense, and I started blacking out a little bit. And when we got off the ride, I asked everybody else, "Hey, did you guys? Did you kind of like black around the edges?" And they were like, "No, no, that's just you, man. You're old, I guess. I don't know." So when Jesus when Jesus hung on the cross, right? And the sky got dark, and, and it's Passover, so hey, we need to take these bodies off the cross. Let's make sure they're dead. When they come upon Jesus, he was literally dead. He didn't just appear to be dead. He wasn't just passed out. He wasn't faking it, right? He wasn't just sick. Man, Jesus was literally dead. Literally dead. So, man, when, when, the, when, the, when the Roman soldier man, put that spear right up in his side, and, and water and blood come gushing out, right? He said, yeah, he's dead, right? We don't need what they were going around. They were going around breaking the bones of the guys that were still alive to, to, to speed up the process. He said, no, we don't need to do that for this guy. He's definitely dead. And if he wasn't, he's got a whole spear, like all up in his rib cage now. Um, and Jesus literally, literally died. And so, so they took his body and, and, and they wrapped it, applied spices to it, and, and they buried it. Uh, Jesus really died. And, and that's important because, man, you'll hear goofy theories. I don't hear it a lot. I and mean, then they're out there. I'm just telling you. Uh, that, well, maybe it's called the swoon theory. Maybe Jesus just appeared to die. Oh. But he didn't really die. No, no, it's important that Jesus really died because, man, his death is the payment for our sins, right? If Jesus didn't literally die, well, we're not literally forgiven, right? Man, man, he, but he did die, and that was the sacrifice for our sins. But then that's not the end of Jesus' story. Praise God. Number four, Jesus literally, literally rose from the dead. Like, his human body rose from the dead. God worked a miracle. He rose from the dead. He appeared to hundreds and hundreds of eyewitnesses. Who saw him raised from the dead? Who touched him? You know, Thomas was like, wait, wait. I saw Jesus die, right? Like, people don't just come back from the dead. I don't know that I'm going to believe that unless I can put my hand, like, in the holes where the nails went in. Jesus says, that say Jesus was patient? Right? He shows up and he says, all right, I put your hand right there. And Thomas is like, what? Right, so literally rose from the dead. He wasn't a ghost. Again, this is a theory that started circling around that time. Like, maybe Jesus just appeared to resurrect. Or maybe it was a spiritual resurrection. Like, people saw his ghost. No, like, he literally resurrected with his body. People saw it and touched it. Uh, Jesus literally rose from the dead. Um, so, so understand that Jesus is fully God is important to a biblical Christology, right? He's not a sub-God. Or half a God, right? Knowing, knowing that he's fully human is so important uh, in, in, in understanding man, man, who Jesus was as our Messiah, as our Savior, uh, to know that he really died, he really rose from the dead. And, and everything we understand about the gospel is wrapped up in those, in those ideas. And we've got to have a right view of that. If we're hearing a teaching and it's 
it's uh, misconstruing one of those points, and that's a warning for us, this isn't from God, right? Or, or maybe we hear a teaching, but, but that Holy Spirit warning sense is kind of going off, like something's off about this. You may, it's man, some, maybe a movement you're not familiar with, a church you're not familiar with, maybe check out their statement of beliefs. If it doesn't line up from this, with this, John says, I got bad news, they're not from God, right? Or maybe good news on your case, so you know to steer clear from them. Uh, it's not from God, right? Or you can check out some other messages from the pastor, and, and, and it doesn't line up from this, man, I, I got to tell you, that's not from God. That's not from God. Um, that's the test John gives us. Simple, foolproof, easy. Doesn't line up with that? Because if it gets any of those wrong, John says, it's not from God. It's from a spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. And you don't want to mess with it, right? You want to steer clear from it. So does the teaching line up with that? Does the idea line up with that? And if not, punt it. Throw the whole teaching away, right? It's not from God, right? So John continues in verse 4. But you belong to God, my children. You've already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in the world. Those people belong to the world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint and the world listens to them, but we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. You know, and, and so, so these deceptions of the Antichrist, lower A, Antichrists are everywhere. You're going to run across these deceptions everywhere you go. You know, where, where ideas about Jesus have been twisted. Again, it's one of the enemy's main strategies because he wants to, to separate you from God. So he wants you to have the wrong view of God to lead you astray. Um, and that's all around us. But John's saying, don't be afraid of it. Don't, do not fear. Man, a command that fills the Bible hundreds of times. You'll see it again and again in Scripture. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Uh, and that's what John's telling us here. Yes, you want to be on guard. You want to be careful. But don't be afraid. Because verse 4 tells us that the Spirit in us, God's Holy Spirit, has already given you the victory. And greater is He that is in you than he that's in the world. Right? Greater is the Holy Spirit that's in you than anything you're going to run across out there. Um, than any goofy teaching or any weird uh, deceptive teacher or, or someone that's going to come at you that's going to try to trick or deceive you. Greater is the Holy Spirit that is in you than anything that's in the world. Already won the victory. Man, you can stand firm and that you don't have to be afraid. Uh, a couple other verses. Um, in John's next letter, 2 John verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, John says, I say this because many deceivers have gone out into the world. They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Right? Jesus Christ literally fully human. They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body, and such a person is a deceiver and a antichrist. antichrist. Yeah. Um, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, Peter, man, the head of the early church, he's writing and he says, but there's also false prophets among you, just as there will be false teachers among you. He's warning you, like, guys, be aware. Not everybody's out here to tell you the right thing, to tell you the truth. Some people are going to be out there trying to scam you. Uh, and, and like those people trying to scam you out of your money or, or steal your identity, you know, whatever. There, there's going to be people out there trying to mislead you about Jesus. Uh, and it says they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them bringing swift destruction on themselves. Uh, destructive heresies. And Peter's right. I mean, this is exactly what's happened. There's false teachings about Jesus. Heresy is just another word for a false teaching. False teachings about Jesus popping up everywhere, all over the place, right? And, and it started in Peter's day. As soon as, basically, as soon as the church started, as soon as the early church 
started and they started growing and they started getting new converts and they started to grow, spread out there from Jerusalem. From day one, they had false teachers saying the wrong thing about Jesus and these false teachings popping up over here and over there. And Peter's having to like smack them down, like whack-a-mole, like, no, stop, that's not from God. No, that's not from God either. No, you got that wrong. Like, man, the early church had to deal with this a lot. And you'll see that as you study the New Testament. And, and honestly, man, here we are 2,000 years later and a lot of those wrong ideas have endured. A lot of them are still around. Um, so, so some of these false teachings still endure today in different forms. So what are some of these destructive heresies? And we're going to close out our time kind of looking at some of these. Uh, it's going to be a little bit educational. right? I'm going to teach you guys some big words. Some big words. You don't have to memorize them all. You don't even have to know them all. I just want you to be aware of them for the test later. Because if you want, the, if you want, anyway. Um, no, there's not a test. But I want you all to be smart, right? So I'm going to teach you some big, smart theology words. You ready? These are destructive heresies that have appeared over the years. Each and every one of these probably has a Wikipedia article that tells you about them. I'm going to give you in brief, like a one sentence about each of these. Uh, these are heresies, again, that, that were, were cropping up that the early church had to deal with. But man, there's stuff, there's still forms of them today, and you've got to be aware of them. Uh, the first one is Arianism. Now, not Arianism like white supremacy. This is like the- theological Arianism, um, which, which is different. It's distinct, right? Um, those would be separate, separate Wikipedia entries. Uh, Ari- Arianism uh, after, the, after the teacher Arius. And, and so what Arianism teaches is that Jesus is a created being, not, like number one said, not fully God. Um, uh, another teaching that was similar around that time um, was Nestorianism. Uh, which taught, again, that Jesus was created, like you and I are created beings, uh, that God created Jesus, but Jesus is not fully God. Another one is docetism. Docetism taught that Jesus only appeared to be human, but he wasn't actually human. Uh, Rather, he was a divine spirit uh, that just appeared to be human. Um, His physical life, his death, his resurrection, all that was just an illusion, right? Yeah, Jesus was divine, he was a spirit, but he only appeared to be human, right? He wasn't actually, he didn't actually have a human body. And remember, number two was Jesus is fully human. Um, that, that those people that witnessed his life, death, and resurrection, that was all an illusion. Uh, that's what docetism teaches. And of course, it's a destructive heresy. It's not true. It's a false teaching. Um, another one? Uh, this one's fun to say. <laughs> Eutychianism. Eutychianism teaches that Christ's divinity dominates his humanity. Basically, he's more one than the other. He's God and he's man, but let's be honest, he's more God than man. That's what what they're teaching here. Uh, But the accurate view, like what's presented in Scripture, is he's fully both. He's 100% both. He said the math doesn't check out on that. Well, it's supernatural, right? It's supernatural. It's miraculous. But but to say that one part of his nature dominates more than the other is a false teaching. And so that's what these guys would teach is that 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 God nature, he was more God than man, so that overwhelmed his human side. And so where that gets problematic is the Bible teaches us that Jesus makes such a good high priest for us because he can empathize, he understands, because he was tempted in every way that you were. Right? He knows what it is to be tempted. He knows what it is to struggle, man, man, with those, those desires that are contrary to God's word. Right? It's not, it's not that he was mostly God, but it's like a little bit human. No, he was fully human. He lived the whole human experience so he can sympathize with you when you're struggling with the human experience. Does that make sense? Um, he wasn't more one than the other. Next one. Philanthropism. That taught that Jesus is merely human and not divine. Right? He, he's not God. He was just like a really good teacher, really bright, really super smart, 
uh, but not, not divine, right? Not, not fully God. And it also teaches that he did not exist before being created, right? Before the incarnation. So this is very similar to the first one we looked at, Arianism, that Jesus is a created being. Uh, the next one, uh, Sabellinianism, teaches that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are just aspects of God rather than three distinct persons. So this teaching denies the doctrine of the Trinity. And the way the Bible reveals Jesus and God himself to us is through this idea of a Trinity, that God has revealed himself to us in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That doesn't make any sense. That's the way the Bible's revealed God to us. It's just one God. It's not three gods. It's not polytheism. It's one God, but the God which is supernatural, again, larger than our understanding, certainly larger than us, uh, infinite in scale. God, God exists as three distinct persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Any, any kind of teaching that tries to minimize that to make themselves feel better uh, is, is going to be a false teaching. And so, so if we feel like, I don't really understand God, like I can't wrap my mind around that, a lot of times with God, that, that's a good thing. If you've got a God that you can totally understand and wrap your head around, that might not be God, right? That might just be an idea you have. Um, so, so denying the, the Trinity, um, another, another false teaching, another um, heresy that denies the Trinity uh, in this way is modalism. Um, the, the, talk about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are different modes of God, uh, but, but not, not distinct entities the way the Bible describes. Um, almost like, I guess, water has three states of solid, liquid, gas. So that's kind of how they see God in the Trinity. And it's just, that's just not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. <laughs> I get it. I get like wanting to simplify and make stuff more understandable. Uh, but, but again, that, that, the, the, the church throughout the ages has ruled that out as a heresy. And the final one to look at, and this is probably the most famous one as you're, as you're kind of reading through the New Testament, is Gnosticism. Gnosticism. And, and Gnosticism was already on the scene before the church even started. It was a, a, a Greek philosophy that taught that the material world, the physical world, is evil. Right? It's evil. Right? The spiritual world is good, but the material world is corrupt and evil. And because it is... God would never become a physical material being, right? Material world's evil, so God would never become a human being. Uh, thus, Jesus must have only been a spirit that appeared to be a human, very similar to what Docetism taught. Um, you know, that the, the Jesus was purely spiritual. He would never have taken on a human body because matter, ooh, gross. Uh, you know, but he, 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 was, he was purely spiritual. And again, we said Jesus is fully human. So the Gnostics, you got it wrong, right? You just got it wrong. Uh, and, and so as that Gnostic creeping crept up, and you guys will encounter that in the New Testament, um, they're like, stop it, no, right? It's several places in, in the New Testament letters, you'll see them make a point to say that uh, that ain't it. <laughs> that ain't it. Uh, throw, throw the whole teaching away. Um, all right, last verse we're going to look at tonight. This is the final verse. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, you know, this, this is Paul writing. 1 Timothy 4, 1. The Spirit, capital S, Spirit, Holy Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. He says, man, as, as the church grows and spreads, amazing things are going to happen. Lives are going to be transformed from the glory of God. And many people are going to come to Christ and, and, and God's going to do amazing things to the church. But also, a lot of people are going to get deceived. A lot of people are going to also leave the faith. You guys probably know some people that have left the faith, maybe that used to be going strong for God, and now who knows where they're at, right? Maybe they got deceived, or maybe they just got enticed by the world and its, and its sins. Um, he says, in later times, people are going to abandon the faith and start following deceiving spirits, things taught by demons, demonic spirits, 
Uh, you know, I said in the beginning, the enemy, one of his n number one strategies against you is to deceive you uh, so that you'll fall away from God and leave the faith. Uh, and, and the way he's going to do that is to subtly twist how you view Jesus. Um, you know, and it may, may not be one of those isms that, that we looked at, uh, but, but it may be, may be something subtle like that, that that gives you the wrong view about Jesus, the wrong view about God's character, that kind of starts to separate you from God, and you see yourself start to drift away from the faith. And, and that's Paul's encouragement there is don't do that. Don't abandon the faith. Man, hold fast to what you know is true. Don't be deceived by the enemy that wants to distort your view of Jesus and lure you away from God, the source of all your hope, of all your love, of eternal life. Don't let the devil lure you away from that. Don't let the devil deceive you. Don't let him scheme you. Don't let him trick you. Don't let him use you for sure. <laughs> we need to be on guard. Man, when you hear a teaching that sounds off, test it. Right? John gave you a super simple, foolproof, practical test. If you hear a teaching and it sounds off, don't just be like, no, it's probably fine. No, it's important. Test that thing. Test it. Is this an accurate, biblical portrayal of Jesus? And again, look at the group's mission statement or statement of faith, other teachings they have about Christ. Does it line up with Scripture? Right? If you see a friend right, getting caught up in some wrong teaching, love them enough to step in and say, hey, I've got some concerns. I've got some concerns about this teaching. I've got some concerns about this movement, and I love you. So let me kind of share those concerns with you because I love you, because I care about you. I'm seeing some stuff in here that's unbiblical, right? So be on guard yourself and, and be, there to, be there to love your friends. Let's watch out for each other, right? Amen. Um, I want to take some time and pray uh, just that the, the God would guard our hearts. Again, remember, man, we talked about God doesn't want you to be afraid. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Um, but he does want you to be wise so you don't get deceived. Amen. Um, you guys bow your head. Let's, let's take, take a minute and come to the Father in prayer. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for, for helpful, practical instruction you give us. God, I know there's a lot out in there that would try to deceive us, that try to fool us, that try to get us believing things that are untrue, to separate us from you, God. Uh, I pray that for each of these students, Father God, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, that you would guide them in truth, that you would help them be aware when they're being lied to. Um, and, and, and God, that they would really know you, that they devote themselves to the study of, of your word, so they will know a teaching when it doesn't line up with the Bible, man. They'll, they'll be able to, to, to spot it 100 yards away. God, I pray that you give them a love for Scripture, a love for your Word, a love to just know the person of Jesus, to know your character, God. Um, and God, I just pray that you would protect them from those that would try to come and deceive them, God. Um, God, use them in the lives of their friends that, that are maybe already being deceived. Uh, God, just to, to speak out in love, to step in and put them back on the right track, Father God. God, we love you. Um, if there's any... And lies we believed about you. Maybe going through some things tonight, we realize, maybe Jesus, we don't have some accurate beliefs about you. God, we just want to set that down right now tonight and say, God, we, we want to believe you are who you say you are. God, we want to believe you are who you revealed yourself to be to us. Uh, we want to have the right belief in you, Jesus. Uh, we want to put our trust fully in you, Jesus. Fully in you uh, to, to be our Savior, to make us right with God. Again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if there's anyone in here tonight said, Matt, I've never really prayed to put my trust in Jesus. I've never asked God to forgive my sins so I can have eternal life in heaven, but I want to pray that tonight. If that's anyone here, would you raise your hand so I can pray with you? I want to put my trust in Jesus tonight. I want to ask God to forgive me. Anybody at all say, I want to pray that tonight. Anybody that say, Matt, uh, just being honest, I'm, I'm kind of far from God. Would you just pray that, 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 that God would draw 
draw my heart back to himself, that I'd return to God, that I'd be more faithful uh, in my pursuit of him. Is anybody here tonight? Say, Matt, pray with me. I'm kind of far from God. Several hands, several hands. Thank you. Um, well, let's just agree together in prayer. Um, Father God, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for your patience towards us, God. Um, thank you, God, that, that you see us when we're a long way off, God, and you come running towards us, God, when we make that heel turn to return to you, God. Um, God, I pray that you would just draw each student closer to yourself by your love, by your grace. It's your kindness, Lord, that draws us to repentance. Father God, thank you for your kindness towards us, your great love towards us. God, help us, God, to be more devoted to you. God, to, 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 to be more focused on our pursuit of you, God. Uh, help us to know you more, to desire you more, Father God. And the things in this life that have drawn us away from you, God, help us to set those aside. Um, and get, get rid of those things, Father God. Um, and, and pursue you with all of our heart, all of our life, God. I pray that you forgive our sins, uh, that you would uh, forgive us and cleanse us, God, and make us the men and women of God that you want us to be. God, use us to be a light on this campus. Uh, God, a light in our classrooms and in our jobs, God, and our friends and family members and all the people around us, God. Uh, we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat>